Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here with David Henderson. Hi, you all. And we're here to talk about this past Sunday's sermon about resting in God's presence. And um, you started, David, this sermon with like a litany of of, um, references that I was like scrambling to jot down in my notes. Um, But the one that I think, well, you started with was Proverbs 30 verse one. I am weary. Oh God, I am weary and worn out. And I was like, oh. I kind of feel that. <laughs> and yeah, then, I sensed that I shared that. And then as the other verses came up on the screen that people were saying, yeah, I really resonate with that. Yeah, yeah. And the encouraging one that was that you started with was Hebrews 4.1, where it says the mm-hmm. promise of entering his rest still stands. Isn't that evocative? It's so <laughs> fun to hear that kind of just laid gently in the middle of all of that stuff about our weariness. Yeah. Yes. I was like, Oh, thank the good Lord. (laughs) Yeah. It's really true. Well, it's interesting just to, I mean, kind of to pause here for a moment. Um, You know, sometimes people say, so how do you even decide what you're going to preach on? And there, there are kind of two ways of trying to determine where we should go in our preaching. One is, um, kind of the, the the commitment to, as Paul says to Timothy, teaching the whole counsel of God. Mm-hmm. So how do I, um, what have we not talked about yet? What book of the Bible have we not been in? Is there a, is there a theological idea like the nature of God or who Jesus is or what happened on the cross or those kinds of things that we haven't talked about in a while that we should go through to make sure we have. But then there's also this kind of prophetic dimension which, which is kind of a mysterious thing. The, the word prophecy originally in its meaning is God's specific word for a certain people at a certain place in time. Mm-hmm. And because we believe that Jesus is alive in the head of the church and because this, we believe the spirit is alive in us, mm-hmm. he knows where we are and what we need. So there's this kind of alongside asking just, well, what would be most beneficial for us to hear for our spiritual maturity. There's also the, what's most timely. What is, what is mm-hmm. God's word for us? What, mm-hmm. what is he wanting to say? So it was uh, uh, kind of interesting. And part of this was even some of the comments you made, Michelle, but there were a number of others, just my interactions with people, uh, uh, just kind of being attentive and going, wow, they're, I don't think people are going, Hey, let's, let's talk about the church and what we believe and where we're going. I think people are going, Oh, it's fall already. And oh, this COVID stuff again. And um, mm-hmm. so it's fun to have the sense of him. And it's always enjoyable to have a sense of him shepherding that interior process. Mm-hmm. And then certainly there's been confirmation, like even just as you just shared that, that yes, this is where we are. Yeah. Um, that that yeah. comes. So. Yeah. You know, and I just, I've, just been really thinking a lot this week in particular about 
God's promises, God's, you know, especially the God's promise of his presence. And then what we talked about, was it just last week? It feels like forever ago about God's presence, being present with us in the midst of the trials, in the midst of the floods and the fires. And it doesn't mean that we won't feel the cold of the water or the heat of the fire. It means that he will be with us and we won't be consumed. And, you know, I've just been thinking a lot about that. And then about the Western assumptions of prosperity and and like God's goodness equals prosperity and Afghanistan and Haiti. And, and like, how is God, how are God's promises true in the midst of a believer facing death in Afghanistan? And then I realized God's presence is with a believer in Afghanistan or in Haiti or, or in any other part of the world going through issues and God's presence being there means that those believers, even if they die are not consumed because they're immediately with Christ. Yes. And it's that Paul's line in one of his letters where he says to live as Christ and to die as gain. Job, even though they slay me, even though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Jesus, don't be afraid of death. That's not the worst thing that can happen to you. You know, the, it's yeah. like, what, what, what? Yeah. Um, but it's the spiritual death that is the, is the issue that mm-hmm. matters, that is the, of the gravest concern to Jesus and to the writers of scripture yeah, mm-hmm. and to the, the presence of God. And that spiritual death is separation from God and the absence of God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, I'm sure you've heard this. I've heard it in a couple different places in the, some of the ways that ministry has taken me to other parts of the world. I've had people say, Hey, we are, we here in wherever fill in the blank in Egypt or in Ghana are praying for you in, in the United States. And the, it's like, well, wait, why are you praying for us? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's the comment is always the same. You know, you, you face a, a far more grave crisis that you are losing your sense of the need for God. You are, um, you are relying on your own prosperity and your own resources instead of mm-hmm. trusting him. And, and that's a, it's a precarious place to be spiritually. It really is. It really, really is. And I think it's one of those lessons that I'm learning more and more as I get older. Like, and hopefully more mature in my faith um, that it's um, yeah, that my, my rest is not based on my circumstances as it's based on Christ's presence with me in the midst of those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yep. So one of the things that, um, that I've shared with you that I've been these conversations that I've shared with the congregation at a number of different times it's the whole idea that there are um, there are kind of four stages in which we can find ourselves spiritually, and at any point along that progression, we can stall out. And the first one is before we become mindful of God, I'm in it for me. 
Mm-hmm. And then we begin to learn about the goodness of God and his care and his provision. We kind of maybe begin to open our hearts in a response of faith. And then it's, I'm in it, or God's in it for me. He's, mm-hmm. he's watching over for me. He's caring for me. He's providing for me. And then we begin to realize, wait, this is a claim uh, in some way of God on my life. And then we shift to some, take that next step of, wait, I'm in it for God. I, I want to live my life for him. That's mm-hmm. why I'm here. But there's still this last step, which ties in with exactly what you talked about and what kind of what the point of the whole whole point of the sermon was, which is um, not my will, but yours be done. Or may it be to me as you mm-hmm. have said, Lord, where, where as we go from that third stage, where I think a lot of people get stuck and never arrive in that fourth stage as we take that last step, that's where the relinquishment happens. That's where we say, I'm not going to insist that the circumstances be the way that I want them to be. And Jesus's death on the cross is the ultimate picture of that. Mm. So that whole idea of God being sufficient and our finding our rest and our peace in him rather than in our circumstances. I do, I do just feel like there are almost two different versions of the Christian life that are being um, propagated in the United States. Mm. You can have what you want and God will help you get it. Mm. Or, Jesus laid down his life for you and he calls you to lay down your life for others. Wow. Those are two really different stories of what the Christian life is about. Hmm. Yeah, they really are. And, and with that first version, (laughs) it's, you know, it really is. If my circumstances aren't what I'm like, then God's not with me. And I turn my back on him and and go my way right that's where we get into that theological crisis that we talked about yes Yes. yeah i think that's exactly right right yeah and so in your sermon you talked about you know choosing we can make that choice either um either we are oh goodness i'm frozen Yeah. Okay. There we go. Now, (laughs) I think, I think we're back. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, Either we can choose, um, you know, to have our peace based on our circumstances, or we can choose to have our peace based on our life in Christ, our rest in him and his presence. And you talked about Psalm 62. Um where it's that we, we always have to remind ourselves, we're never going to live this perfectly. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think Mike Faith on our staff, we talked about this in our Tuesday devotional time. Um, and Mike said, you know, really, you, you, you're talking, David, about this intersection that you come to at some point in your Christian life and you choose one or the other, whether or not you're aware of it. He said, but I think isn't that really a choice we have to make every day? And I said, I think mm-hmm. that's exactly right. And I think that is really what David is getting at in Psalm 62. Is, um, and I think I mentioned, I see this as David is starting a pattern of conversation. He means us to just carry on right out of the end of the Psalm and into each day of life. Find rest, oh my soul and God alone. Oh man, here's this attack from outside. I lose that. And then I, no, find your rest uh, in God alone. And then this attack comes from the inside. Oh, I forgot that mind resting on that continuing to come back to remind ourselves of what's true. You know, we all have 
I've used this phrase before, but we all have spiritual amnesia. When it comes to spiritual truths, we've all got a huge hole in our bucket. And mm. I can learn that God is so faithful and so good. And then one hard thing comes up and I just like, where did that confidence go? Mm -hmm. It disappeared. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I have to remember it all over again. I have to fit the piece that that part of my faith back together again, laying hold of the claims of God, whether or not I happen to feel his presence in the moment mm -hmm. and remembering all over again that he really is to be trusted. So that, you know, we've talked about the, the, the Evagrius, the disciple who in the three hundreds who, who said, there are so often times where we need to split ourselves in two and one half needs to say to the other self, the other half, this is what's true. Don't lose sight of this. And mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what David is doing here. David, yeah. come on, don't forget, find your rest. In God. None of the rest of this is going to satisfy you. Find your rest in God alone. Mm -hmm. It's never going to be the ultimate perfect circumstance. Find your rest in God alone. Right. And I think when we're in those circumstances that are, you know, pulling our eyes off of Christ, it's easier to say, which this is what, what somebody said in our, um, in our Sunday morning community group was like, it's easy to ask, what is God doing? What is God doing? And he said, instead, we need to focus on that, that God is doing. It's That's just so good just a slight change in perspective that makes all the difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, God has already revealed what he's doing. Mm -hmm. We may not have the specifics, but we already know. I mean, we've, we've talked about this also in the past. So we know you think about the different passages of scripture in first Peter one, it talks about how he uses difficult circumstances to form Christ likeness in us. And in, mm -hmm. in James chapter one, it's to deepen our trust and hope and uh and to strengthen our confidence in god in in first corinthians or second corinthians chapter one it's to teach us not to rely on ourselves and in john chapter nine it's to bring glory to god and i mean he spells out this is mm -hmm. these are the things you can know i'm up to in difficult circumstances and you can be confident in those mm -hmm. it may not be plainly obvious to you the ways in which i'm fulfilling those things but i am working those things for good in your life and through your life mm -hmm. in every hard circumstance. Yes. And without those hard circumstances, I mean, it's like what you said last week about the kidney stones, right? Like through that, that stress, that pain, your eyes were turned so directly to Jesus. Yes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and without those times, it's just like, oh yeah, I can manage this. I can manage that. I can manage this circumstance. And then like, it, you just have to be reminded over and over and over again. Right. Yes. And I think, I think it's, uh, sometimes we can feel like, well, then those moments God comes along and takes things away from us and makes us so that we will turn our eyes back to him. I think all God is doing, all he's taking away is the blinders in front of our eyes. He's, mm. he's just um, re-revealing to us, actually, you are an incredibly finite human being who has a lot of weaknesses and, and a lot of limitations to your capacities and abilities. And I made you to need me. 
All mm-hmm. I'm doing is helping you see those things that are always true, even when life is going swimmingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He doesn't stick his foot out and trip us and go, well, if you can't see me when life's going well, let's see what happens when you skin your nose. You know, that's, that's just not what God is like. It's like, no. I just want, I made you for this. I made you for a relationship with me. So I just want to keep um, pulling away whatever it is that mm-hmm. has you losing sight of that. Right. And I, I, I loved what you said about the rock and all the different uses of mm. the rocks, which I have to tell you, like my geology graduate. Yes. He like, as soon as you said, just think of all the great uses for rocks. Like he leaned forward and glared at his younger sister. <laughs> like, listen up. <laughs> See? <laughs> See, I'm right. Rocks are great. And she was yeah. like, yeah, I have nothing. I'm going to have nothing to do with that. But um, you anybody who's about- been in my office knows from the 480 rocks in my office that I have, I share your son's fondness for rocks. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you're not talking about sl- rock slivers in this, right. in, in Psalm 62, he's talking about a, like a huge unmovable boulder kind of rock. Um, and you can rest in its shade. You can hide behind it can stand on top of it and see the big picture or the view. I don't remember what else. That's just what I have on my, mm-hmm. on my yes. notes. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I just, I just had finished reading. This isn't what's interesting. I just finished reading uh, this book called, I think something like across the airless wilds. Um, it's about the, the creation of the lunar Rover, which was used on the last three Apollo missions. Fascinating book. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. great read. Um, but what they share in their one story, and I think this it just struck me, struck me now how analogous this is in the faith. On the moon, one of the things they said is incredibly difficult is you have you have no sense of perspective. And the astronauts kept getting lost. Whenever they even walking, they would not know if they were where they thought they were. Hmm. Because uh, there's no way to get a point of reference. You would, I mean, it's craters come in in extra small, small, medium size, large, extra large, extra, extra large. And you know, I have no idea which it is. And and rocks also come in all those various sizes. Yeah. So they would they would walk to a crater and it wasn't even close to the one that they were thinking they were at. Well, they they're driving along in the rover. I don't remember which mission this was on. And they see this big rock and they say, let's go over to that rock and see if we can knock a piece off of it. And they ended up doing that. And it's the biggest single chunk of moon rock that any of the missions brought back with them. But they described um, when they look at it, they think it's oh maybe like the size of Volkswagen Beetle. I mean, it's a big rock. And they keep getting closer, and it just keeps getting bigger. Um, and they eventually get up to it, and it's the size of a house. And I think there's something to that with God, that when we approach God, we think, let's approach the rock. Let's draw near him. He's a big rock. And then the, the, the more we approach him, the more we go, wow. I mean, you are a really big rock. And and if we remain at a distance, he will, we won't have a sense of how really big he is. But the more mm. we draw into him, the more we will discover the enormity that mm. of who he is as, as the rock behind which we hide, as the rock on which we plant our feet, as the rock from which we gain mm. perspective. Mm-hmm. And I loved the visuals you used. The where's Waldo? <laughs> the like, where is God? 
And then you're just hunting and hunting and hunting when the reality is, you know, then you have the picture, the picture of Jesus holding the galaxy in his hand. And um, someone on Sunday morning said, I really wanted to see that. Where's Waldo picture inside that little globe. I love that. I was like, that I is a that. great visual, actually. But like, yeah, no, he's not in the Where's Waldo picture. He is outside of it. And he is yeah. bigger than all of our circumstances. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, did we just freeze again, I think? No, I can still hear you. <laughs> so I, I can hear you, but I, you're not. There you are. There, yep. I'm seeing you moving. I think <laughs> oh. rolling your eyes. Uh, it's so crazy. Yeah, actually, that that image, the Where's Waldo, is a Where's Jesus picture, and I didn't want to leave it up there because I knew I would lose everybody who would start hunting for Jesus. He was down the lower left-hand corner of that, mm. and um, so part of that was that kind of sense of he's in the picture somewhere, but boy, do we lose sight of him, um, and and how as we practice this gazing upon God, beholding God, waiting on God kind of prayer that you know he just draws mm-hmm. nearer and nearer and everything finds its true proportion mm-hmm. um, as you said you know this the whole entire galaxy that's held in his the universe held in his hand mm-hmm. and he is the, the lord overall that that image is the new not new the newly discovered uh, leonardo da vinci that had been missing for 400 years um, and they most people are confident now that's been identified as one that he had referred to and nobody knew what had happened to it. Mm. I was thinking, I'm like, I know I've seen that somewhere yeah. in some context, but I couldn't yes. pull it up in the middle of, of the service. My husband was asking me about it and I'm like, ah, Michelangelo. Yeah. No, yeah. Da Vinci. Yeah. Da Vinci. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think towards the end of your um, sermon, you, you brought out Mark 631 which says, come with me to a quiet place. And I just think that's, yeah, that just was like a good reminder. I I need to have quiet. I need to have quiet in order to hear his voice and to sense his presence. Yes. You know, it's interesting. I think a spiritual discipline that I, a typical follower of Christ would just think, oh, I, that, I mean, sure. I mean, that's fine for you as a pastor or as a monk or, or professional Christian of some kind, but I can't do that mm-hmm. is, is a retreat where you experience solitude and silence. And I, yeah, in my experience, Michelle, that is one of the most life giving spiritual practices that I engage in is to, get times where I'm just away from any word, any image. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, and often I do this out in creation and I'm just present to the Lord in silence and solitude and the rest that comes from that. Um, it, that becomes that time in which I am alone is another one of those times when God removes the blinders. And I see more clearly than never that I'm never alone, that mm. he is with me. And, and mm-hmm. I'm able to attend more to his voice in the silence. I love the paradox of that. Go mm-hmm. be a part so you realize you're not a part. Go to silence so you realize you're always being spoken to. And yeah. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, so I even, even just to take like a, to 
you know, for a husband and wife to take turns, Hey, you take Saturday morning, I'll take Saturday afternoon. I've got the kids go off and just get three hours of quiet. And, and there are retreat places to go do that, go to a park, find a trail, uh, come to the deck at the church. And uh, where, I mean, there are all kinds of opportunities, but uh, it's a practice I would definitely encourage us to all of us to practice. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, well, I agree. And I don't, I don't think I even realized how important it was until last spring uh, after COVID hit and I like missed my vacation and, and everything. And then I was like, okay, I just need to get, get on a retreat. And I did, I took the time and it was just like, it, it felt like triage. Like, you know, when you go into the ER and they're triaging you and you're like, okay, I think I've got, I think we're going to figure out a plan here. That's kind of how it felt. And, and now since then I made a commitment twice a year, I'm going to go for an overnight and, um, and just be quiet. So great. I've got one set up for next week. I'm doing the same thing. And mm -hmm. yeah, that is a, it's life-giving, um, it really because is. Because Jesus is always saying, come away with me by yourself and I will get some rest mm -hmm. or, and I will give you rest. There, it's, uh, this is really cool. Um, some of the first idea of kind of the devotional rhythms were articulated by Francis de Sales um, all the way back in the 15, 1600s. And he talks about a morning devotional time where you express your love to the Lord and give him your life and give him the day. He talks about mm -hmm. an evening examine, a time of looking back, Lord, uh, thank you for the ways you've met me. Forgive me for the ways I missed you. I, I give you, I entrust myself into your care as I go to sleep and I entrust the day tomorrow too. But he also talks about this third thing, which I love. It's a retreat. But the way you do the retreat is in the moment, he says, just lean back from the moment. You're still mm -hmm. there. You're still present. You're with the people you're with. You're doing the work you're doing, but you just lean back in the moment into the Lord's arms and just rest in his presence for that moment. Remember he's there, that he holds you. So even that kind of uh, inner solitude and silence in the midst of the flurry. We don't have to become monks to experience the answer to the fulfillment of Jesus saying, come, come apart with me mm -hmm. and I will give you rest. I mm -hmm. can do that Tuesday at two. I can mm -hmm. do that Thursday at nine. I can do it Sunday night at 12, you know, I, mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, and one person on Sunday morning said this, which I thought was super insightful, was that being still does not mean that we are paralyzed, right? So if, if we are frozen, feeling paralyzed, that's an indication that we are not trusting mm -hmm. in God and we are not being still with God and we're being, we're being, um, overwhelmed by our fear mm. in the moment. I yeah, thought that was insight. super insightful. There are some interesting paradoxes where I think we can just kind of assume um, one thing means another. So if mm. I stop work, that somehow that means rest, but it often doesn't. We know we just, we go, I stop work. So I pick up my phone and I get busy with something that stirs me up on the inside instead of bringing rest. Or, or we have this idea that, uh, the opposite, that somehow to become still is to just experience automatically what God has for me when it, it, it isn't. So that, mm -hmm. I think that's a fascinating, um, you know, we can find rest in work. We can find, uh, we can do work as we rest. And that in the same way, um, we can relinquish 
without moving into paralysis. We can relinquish in a way that actually leans us in um, and engages us rather than paralyzing us in fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we need to close. Um, but before we do, I just want to mention um, you, you read a significant excerpt from um, Jean, Jean Goyan. Hmm. Is that right? Yes, um, that's right. And so, and you sent me a copy of that because, um, which I think was a great idea because it was like just trying to listen and absorb it and then also take notes. I couldn't do both. And I don't, I don't know that other people could either. And so you sent me the excerpt that I can, I will include in the blog post on our website for our sermon discussion today. So if you like me missed uh, missed it and want to revisit it, you can find that on our blog. That's great. Thank you for making that available. You're welcome. Any other last thoughts you'd like to share? No, I mean, I, I guess one thought that just comes to mind, uh, Madame Guillaume kind of sounds like an exotic French dancer. She was actually this very uh, kind of plain uh, housewife in the 1600s in France, but um, uh, an amazing spirit for, for the Lord. Um, but it just reminds me, this is part of my diet for the last couple of years, has been some real intentional reading and some of the books that people identify as some of the great devotional classics. And uh, Madame Guillaume is one of those whose writing is, um, is really moving. It's really stood the test of time. And there are a number of others that I've, I've raised recently, the Theologica, Theologia Germanica and, um, and some of the writings of Jean Gru, uh, his Hidden Life of the Soul and other things. Finding some of those treasures and spending some time with them, I think, are ways of, of, of opening up our soul to God in ways that have been tested and proven over the years and not just kind of this year's bestseller, which could just go the way of most other bestsellers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. Christian self-help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yes. So, well, thank you for joining me today, David. Great to be with you all. And thank you, our audience, for joining us, whether you are live on Facebook, later on Facebook, on our podcast, or on our blog. We are glad that you're here. Feel free to comment on our blog or Facebook posts. I read those, and I will respond to any questions that you have. And um, I will see you next week.